Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to worship today. Special welcome to uh, those joining us online or by phone, and a special welcome to friends, guests, and visitors that we have with us today. We're, we're very glad that you are here. Um, just a couple of brief announcements before we begin. Um, first of all, we announced last week that there was going to be a parking lot maintenance that uh, uh, actually was, is going to be tomorrow uh, and Tuesday. Um, so if you come to church um, tomorrow or early on Tuesday, um, you might need to park on the street or in the first street lot. So see the announcement in your bulletin about that. Um, next Sunday is Reconciling in Christ Sunday. Um, that's typically held in January. Uh, the timing didn't work for us this year, and so we postponed that until um, uh, next Sunday. And that worked out really well because we have um, a new partnership um, with Proud Theater, which is a theater group for um, LGBTQIA plus uh, teens, and they are having their showcase at the end of this week here at Trinity. And so, uh, uh, Lindsay uh, Hole Neds, uh, that would be uh, uh, Eldon's granddaughter, uh, is the artistic director for them, and uh, and she'll be here next week to share about their program. We'll also be welcoming uh, Kristen Rice, member of Trinity, as our uh, guest preacher next week. So, uh, yeah, uh, help us join us next Sunday as we celebrate Reconciling Christ Sunday. And there's more information about that in your bulletin. I uh, want to remind you as well about uh, the blood drive coming up, uh, which is there's information about that on May 24th in your bulletin, and uh, some information about geraniums for Pentecost and the Zumker Scholarship. Uh, a special thank you today to uh, Mary Oberer and to Amanda Forche for uh, going to Synod Assembly on behalf of Trinity. We had Synod Assembly in Wisconsin Dells uh, Friday and Saturday of this week, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll be sharing some updates about that in the coming weeks about uh, some of the actions that were taken there. Finally, I wanted to wish those of you who are celebrating a happy Mother's Day. Uh, Hope that you uh, find a way to celebrate today. So happy Mother's Day to those um, who are celebrating. And I wanted to offer a prayer today um, for Mother's Day. So please pray with me. This is a prayer by Amy Young, adapted by Heidi Carrington Heath. May you know that God is with you. If you are like Tamar, struggling with infertility or a miscarriage. May you know that God is with you if you are like Rachel, counting the women among your family and friends who year by year, month by month, get pregnant while you wait. May you know that God is with you like Naomi and have known the bitter sting of a child's death. May you know that God is with you if you are like Joseph and Benjamin and your mom has died. May you know that God is with you if your relationship with your mom is difficult or she couldn't parent you the way you needed. May you know that God is with you if you've been like Moses' mother and put a child up for adoption, trusting another family to love your child into adulthood. May you know that God is with you if you've been like Pharaoh's daughter, called to love children who are not yours by birth. May you know that God is with you, like many who are watching your mother age or in a long goodbye of dementia or Alzheimer's. May you know that God is with you, like Mary, uh, if you are pregnant for the first time and waiting breathlessly for the miracle of your first child, 
May you know that God is with you if your children have turned away from you or closed the door on relationship, and like Hagar, you are now mothering alone. May you know that God is with you if motherhood is your greatest joy and your toughest struggle all rolled into one. May you know that God is with you if you are watching your child battle with difficulties of substance abuse or a legal situation or another situation that you can merely watch unfold. May you know that God is with you like so many women before you if you do not wish to be a mother, are not married, or in so many other ways do not fit into societal norms. May you know that God is with you if you see yourself reflected in all or none of these stories. This Mother's Day, wherever or whoever you are, we walk with you. You are loved, you are seen, you are worthy. And may we know the deep love without end of our big, wild, and beautiful God, who is the very best example of a parent that we know. Amen. We'll now begin our service with our prelude music. Please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. 
Alleluia, Christ is risen. In the waters of baptism, we have passed over from death to life with Jesus Christ, and we are a new creation. For this saving mystery and for this water, let us bless God, who was, who is, and who is to come. We thank you, God, for your river of life, flowing freely from your throne, through the earth, through the city, through every living thing. You rescued Noah and his family from the flood. You opened wide the sea for the Israelites. Now in these waters you flood us with mercy, and our sin is drowned forever. You open the gate of righteousness, and we pass safely through. In Jesus Christ you calm and trouble the waters. You nourish us and enclose us in safety. You call us forth and send us out. In lush and barren places you are with us. You have become our salvation. Now breathe upon this water and awaken your church once more. Claim us again as your beloved and holy people. Quench our thirst, cleanse our hearts, wipe away every tear. To you our beginning and our end, our shepherd and lamb, be honor, glory, praise, and thanksgiving, now and forever. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Lord, who is our Good Shepherd, in the midst of this wonderfully messy life, guide us along right pathways, and as we stumble and bumble along, hold your promise to never let us go. For in the midst of all that would bring us down, stretch us out and pull us in all directions. May we hear the call to life, to get up and serve as Tabitha, who was devoted to good works and acts of charity for the most vulnerable in our midst. May we do the same as we live into resurrection hope. Lord, as you keep calling us to make a difference in the world. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from Acts chapter 9. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to a room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, Then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
The second reading is from Revelations chapter 7. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is created on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders and the four creatures, that they f and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white, in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of water of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to John, the tenth chapter. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you did not believe. 
The works that I do in my Father's name testify me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And grace and peace be with you, friends, this morning. Uh, from the Good Shepherd who walks alongside us uh, today and always. Amen. This day in our church year is sometimes known as Good Shepherd Sunday. It takes place in the Easter season. Every year during this season, we are given texts that compare God and or Jesus to a shepherd guiding us as sheep. We often hear the familiar words of Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. It's a promise of God's provision and care. And later we hear how the good shepherd guides us through the valley of the shadow of death. In our gospel text, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will not perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Again, of Christ's, a promise of Christ's strong love for us. These are often the promises we want to be reminded of in times of grief or pain or suffering. And often they are read as we approach death. We need to be reminded again and again that we are not alone, that we are accompanied by this good shepherd. But this year, on this Good Shepherd, on Good Shepherd Sunday, I want to direct our attention to our second reading, uh, to the words of John of Patmos from the book of Revelation. It's not often that we tackled Revelation. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. As we might expect, this promise is a little bit harder to grasp than the familiar words of Psalm 23. But I think we long for that promise nonetheless of the day when God will wipe away every tear. But it's confusing, right? How can Jesus be both the lamb and the shepherd? Doesn't it seem like the metaphor is starting to fall apart if Christ is both lamb and shepherd? This is the paradox that the hymn writer Sylvia Dunstan, uh, who wrote our hymn of the day today, uh, picked up on. Sylvia Dunstan for many years was a prison chaplain, and the story goes behind this hymn was that she was on her bus ride home away from the prison and it had been a particularly hard day. She was feeling quite hopeless. But she started to jot down the notes about a hymn that she thought of as Christus Paradox or Christ the Paradox. And as you'll see when we sing it, it begins with, 
You, Lord, are both lamb and shepherd. For Dunstan, the image of Jesus as both lamb and shepherd gave her strength and comfort and the power to persevere in prison, in prison ministry despite its challenges. That it was a word of hope for people who were so often hopeless. You, are, you Lord, are both lamb and shepherd, she wrote, and we will sing. If we are to enter the world of Revelation in our second reading, we have to prepare ourselves to swim in the symbols. And we have to try and place ourselves in the shoes of those early Christian communities, people whose realities were much different from ours in many ways. Revelation was written by a man named John, who presents a series of visions he received while on the island of Patmos. It's located in the Aegean Sea, and he was sent there as an exile uh, based because he was causing too much trouble in his witness. John wrote this book as a letter to seven churches made up of poor and marginalized people trying to survive, resist, and refuse assimilation into the Roman Empire. So you have to picture people uh, who were among the lowest of the low in society, the poor and outcast. These are notes from an underground movement written almost in a symbolic code to escape the notice of the powerful. John couldn't just come right out and say exactly what he wanted to say. Uh, that would have been too dangerous. In so many ways, he hides it behind these symbols. You see, these early Christians were living in the Roman Empire and were, they were persecuted for their faith. Their faith in Jesus as Lord subverted and got them in trouble with the Romans because their creed was Caesar is Lord. Worship of the emperor was part of social life, and for many cities in this part of the world, there were temples to the emperor as well as to other gods. People participated in imperial worship because Rome provided new levels of prosperity and opportunities for social advancement. And so along comes this Jesus movement saying, that doesn't matter, that as, that's, that's a false idol to worship Caesar. We're going to worship this other person, Jesus, instead. It was uh, unpatriotic. It was subversive. It got them into trouble. And whenever there was uh, something going wrong, it was usually the Christians who were blamed. This conflict between Christianity and empire led to violent persecution, economic exclusion and hardship, and a great deal of vulnerability. I share this not just to give a history lesson, but to try and place ourselves in the shoes of this early Christian community to experience what John of Patmos is trying to give them, a word of hope to a people who did not have much hope or power in their world. You can imagine the comfort of today's text for a community like this. In John's vision, he imagines those who suffered and died for the faith, those who were killed by the Romans, those who passed through the great ordeal, as our text says. Those who pass through the great ordeal are clothed in white and stand before the throne of God. He tells them about a day when their poverty and their hungry, hunger and their exclusion will be no more. A day when God will come to these suffering and grieving people and God will wipe the tears from their eyes. Try and imagine 
if one of your family members or your friends had been killed by an angry mob or stoned to death or fed to the lions in the Colosseum. Perhaps they were crucified like Peter or beheaded like Paul under the emperor Nero. Imagine the comfort of hearing that God was going to make all things right, even though everything seemed so wrong. That those who died in the faith were going to be taken care of. The ordeal of those early Christians is not the same as ours. But our world still suffers, and we pass through ordeals of our own. When we lose a beloved member of our church family, when we lose a loved one, when we face disease or our health declines, when money doesn't go far enough, when we are in a precarious employment situation, I think we all have a sense of what John means when he says we pass through the great ordeal. And if we look around our world at the refugees fleeing Ukraine or the famine going on in South Sudan, we know something of the great ordeal that John of Patmos speaks of, the great ordeal that John says God is going to make right. In a way, when we pass through the great ordeal, we need both a lamb and a shepherd. As the lamb, Christ joins us in our suffering, doesn't stand outside the flock, but enters the flock with us. Jesus doesn't stand on the edges of the ordeal offering advice. Jesus enters into the ordeal alongside us and on our behalf. Jesus knows our sufferings, weeps with us, weeps with us and dies for us. But at the same time, we need Christ the shepherd. Christ the shepherd overseeing the flock, guiding us to life and safety. In a way, we need both. A God who is with us, a God who is above us, a God who is for us. In John's visions, the image of Christ the Lamb is held up as an alternative to the oppressive powers of empire. The way of Jesus is going to be very different from the way of the, of the Romans. Empire is personified as a beast in the city of Babylon. So in the world of the symbols, remember I said we had to swim in these symbols? On the one hand, you have the beast, and on the other hand, you have the lamb. And John says, in the war between the lamb and the beast, the lamb is going to win. Commentator C. West Daniels writes, The image of the slaughtered lamb, victim of imperial violence, continues to permeate this text. His blood poured out through nonviolent resistance and sacrificial love washes over and baptizes all the victims of the empire. This lamb is at the center of the multitude who gather this new kind of leader. The multitude are made up of those who have been faithful to his call to come out of empire, even if it costs them their lives. Now I admit that these images may seem strange and foreign to us, but I hope you'll see that there is a message of hope within them. A message of hope for people in pain or grief or struggling to find hope. And isn't that like all of us at some point? To us, John the Revelator says, the Lamb is on the throne. 
Those who torture and harm you may look like they are winning in the moment, but the Lamb is the one who will truly be in charge in the end. Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? They are those who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The one who is seated on the throne will shelter them, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away the tears from our eyes. I can just imagine Sylvia Dunstan coming home from the prison that day, riding on the bus and wondering how she could possibly offer a word of hope to those whom she served, those so often cast aside. She found hope in the strange image of the lamb who is also on the shepherd, uh, also on the throne, the lamb who is also a shepherd. She found hope in the lamb who can defeat the beast. And perhaps even if we can't understand that paradox, perhaps we will find hope in singing about it. Amen.
on the second Sunday of the month, we have our Global Music Sunday, and that's sometimes been a uh, time when we uh, focus on expanding our language for God as well. So you'll notice that in our creed for today, we're using an alternative creed, and when we get to our Lord's Prayer for today, we're using some expansive language as well. And so this is meant to help us uh, enter the faith perhaps at a different angle. So we confess our faith using this uh, faith statement from the Iona community in Scotland. We believe in God above us, maker and sustainer of all life, of sun and moon, of water and earth, of male and female. We believe in God beside us, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, born of a woman's womb, servant of the poor. He was tortured and nailed to a tree. A man of sorrows, he died forsaken. He descended into the earth to the place of death. On the third day he rose from the tomb. He ascended into heaven to be everywhere present, and his kingdom will come on earth. We believe in God within us, the Holy Spirit of Pentecostal fire, the life-giving breath of the church, spirit of healing and forgiveness, source of resurrection and of life everlasting. Amen. Set free from captivity to sin and death, we pray to the God of resurrection for the church, people in need, and all of your church to respond to the voice of Jesus. Give us unfailing trust, unafraid to join in Jesus' work of renewing all things. God, in your mercy, feed your people at the table of creation. Prepare a safe place for those whose environments are dangerous or unhealthy, especially those making difficult journeys. Prosper your creation for the sake of every living thing. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Warm the hearts of all who celebrate and all who mourn on Mother's Day. Accompany those yearning to be mothers. Help us to heal from broken family relationships and open us to receive your nurturing love from all who serve mothering roles in our lives. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Seek out those who weep while they await healing or consolation, especially Jackie, Mary, Wendy, Leticia, Denia, Rick, and Lynn. Set Set people in their path who can provide the care they need and wipe away every tear from their eyes. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Inspire the words of prophets and saints who employ innovate imagery to sketch your understanding, as did Joe, Julian of 
Norwich, whom we commemorate today. Send Christ in to instruct us in with motherly care. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Enfold us in great multitude of saints from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Wash us in your savings, grace every day. Guide us to your waters of life. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In your mercy, O God, respond to these prayers and renew us by your life-giving spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you.
Please stand if you're able. Let us pray. Living God, you gather the wolf and the lamb to feed together in your peaceable reign, and you welcome us all at your table. Reach out to us through this meal and show us your wounded and risen body that we may be nourished and believe in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb who gave himself to take away our sin who in dying has destroyed death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter, and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal. You we praise and glorify, you we worship and adore. You formed the earth from chaos, you encircled the globe with air, you created fire for warmth and light, you nourished the lands with water, you molded us in your image and with mercy higher than the mountains, with grace deeper than the seas, you blessed the Israelites and cherished them as your own that also we, estranged and dying, might be adopted to live in your spirit. You called to us to the life and death of Jesus. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Together as the body of Christ, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. 
Christ will come again. With this bread and cup, we remember your Son, the firstborn of your new creation. We remember his life lived for others and his death and resurrection, which renews the face of the earth. We await his coming, when with the world made perfect through your wisdom, all our sins and sorrows will be no more. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy God, holy and merciful one, holy and compassionate, send upon us and this meal your Holy Spirit, whose breath revives us for life, whose fire rouses us to love. Enfold in your arms all who share this holy food, nurturing us the fruits of the Spirit, that we may be a living tree, sharing your bounty with all the world. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy and benevolent God, receive our praise and petitions as Jesus received the cry of the needy and fill us with your blessing until needy no longer and bound to you in love, we feast forever in the triumph of the Lamb through whom all glory and honor is yours, O God, O living one, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Eternal Spirit, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, Father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by all the peoples of the world, your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. To commune today, you'll uh, go to the side aisles uh, and come forward. And at the front of these two side aisles, there are tables where there are uh, empty cups. And you'll pick up a cup and bring it with you to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. And then after you've communed, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle. If you need or desire uh, grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them on your way forward and bring them to the railing with you. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that you are welcome to commune with us today because this is the Lord's table not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes from Christ. If you'd like to come forward but not receive communion, you can also cross your arms on your chest, and uh, we will offer a simple blessing. The risen Christ dwells with us here. All who are hungry, all who are thirsty, come.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, generous God, for in this bread and cup we have tasted the new heaven and earth where hunger and thirst are no more. Send us from this table as witnesses to the resurrection, that through our lives all may know life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
God, the author of life, Christ, the living cornerstone, and the life-giving spirit of adoption, bless you now and forever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ has risen. Go in peace. Tell what God has done. Thanks be to God.